morning. So today's reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you loved him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Logan. Uh, Good morning, everyone. It's very nice to be with you. It's the school holidays at the moment, which means that a number of our regulars are away, but we've also got a lot of visitors, the Stribus and Davison clan. It's very nice to have you with us. Uh, And you've joined us for the second week of two one-off kind of uh, sermons. Joel, our minister, like Pete said, is away in Africa, and so we've, we've taken a break from our normal series and we're, we're following the Anglican lectionary. So we've just got the two uh, passages that the lectionary lists for these Sundays. And this week we're in First Peter. So uh, why don't I pray and then we'll look at the passage. Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you for the passage this morning. It is one that is uh, greatly encouraging. It's one that calls us to praise. But it's also one that is somber and is challenging. And so as we come before your holy word this morning, help us to... Uh, have open hearts and open minds to be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, About 10 years ago, my family, so me, mum and dad and my sisters, we were in England for dad's study leave. He had a sabbatical and so we flew over to England and we had a great time over there as a a family. But one of the memories that stands out to me the most, it, it actually involves our vicar's warden here at St. Stephen's, Luke Hayward, Uh, He and his wife Kimberly were over there working for a while and they found us one of the places that we stayed in while we were in England and it meant that we spent quite a lot of time with Luke and Kimberly. But it's one afternoon that stands out in particular and it's not a happy memory, it's a terrible memory. But Luke, uh, he took me down to some sort of sports ground where they had tennis courts, they had uh, little football fields and we played sport against each other for the afternoon. It's safe to say I got destroyed at every sport we played. Uh, we played tennis and I got beaten 6-1, 6 love or something like that. And so we moved to soccer and I thought, well, I've got a chance here. Little old, naive, 12-year-old Jesse. Uh, after Luke went up five goals to zero, I began to lose all hope until I snuck one by him and then I scored another and then I scored another. And I kid you not, I I still remember the feeling that I had in that one glorious moment. I felt hope. I'd had a rubbish afternoon (laughs) 
getting beaten by the man I thought must represent New Zealand in every sport possible. Uh, but the hope that I felt in that moment after scoring only a couple of goals was amazing. I felt like I could actually carry on, that I might even be able to win. And five goals later, I lost 10-3. <laughs> uh, and I have not been allowed to forget about that moment for 10 years. Now, obviously, that's a, it's a flawed illustration given how it ends. But for that fleeting moment, I had hope and it changed my perspective. And the idea of hope is a very real idea for us as Christians, and it's a very real idea in the passage that we just had read to us this morning. A hope that leads to praise. Uh, this passage from First uh, Peter is what's called a doxology. It's a section of scripture that calls us to praise God. And you can see clearly from the first verse, verse 3, that that's what it is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. These verses encourage us to praise God. Uh, there are no imperatives in these verses, no commands. It is purely Peter praising God and therefore encouraging us to do the same. Uh, now, there's lots and lots in the verses this morning. We could spend many weeks on lots of different truths that we find in them, but we're just going to look at three words that help us and should encourage us to praise God. The three words are hope, trials, and joy. Hope, trials, and joy, and they all help us to praise God. <clears throat> uh, before we get into the verses specifically, though, I think it's helpful to get some background on what the book of First Peter is about, because that will help us as we work through the verses. It's a letter written by Peter to Christians living throughout the world. If you have a Bible open in front of you, uh, you will see that that's what the book opens with. Verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout, dot, 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 and it lists a number of places where Christians are. So Peter is writing to Christians that are scattered and are, as he calls them, strangers in the world. That is, Christians that do not fit in. Christians don't fit in to the world that Peter is writing to. They were looked down upon. They will have been seen as naive or as ignorant. And one of the reasons that Peter is writing to them is to encourage them in the truth that they believe. To remind them of the truth that they know and to encourage them to carry on. Especially... And this is one of the, the big themes that you see through the whole letter of First Peter, uh, in the face of persecution and suffering that these Christians were being subjected to as a result of being Christians. They were suffering for being Christians. Peter wants them to be encouraged even as they suffer and to be reminded of the truth of their beliefs so that they might carry on. Which brings us then to this call to praise at the very beginning of the letter. This is what Peter opens with, and it's what he wants his readers to remember as they read the rest of his letter, and it begins with hope. I spoke before about hope because this is what the rest of the passage and the rest of the letter flows out of. Uh, look at verses 3 to 5 with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, Hope as a word, as an idea, it's something that I feel is thrown around a lot nowadays in general. It's a word I think has lost its meaning in a lot of ways. We live in a very instant world. We like to have things now. We don't like to have to wait. We don't like to have to hope for something to happen. We want things now. Uh, Even in Christian circles, I think this can be the case. The prosperity gospel, it's built around a sort of instant gratification. You don't have to wait for blessings. If you trust in God and are good enough, then you will get these things now. Even in our language, I think we use the word hope loosely. I hope we have good weather. I hope the kettle's boiled. I hope my sports team wins. Well, here in 1 Peter, we hear of a hope that is substantial and a hope that is lasting and a hope that is not instantly satisfied but one that will continue for as long as we live. A hope that has its foundation in something true and something real and something lasting, a living hope. A living hope is something very different to anything we could hope for today. Because we live in a world where I'm sure many of us in this room will have had hopes dashed. Things that you hoped might happen, things that you hoped might work out, things that you hoped might stop, but they haven't. They didn't happen, they didn't work out, they didn't stop. I hope I get married. I hope I have kids. I hope I get that promotion. I hope I'm there in five years. The hope from First Peter is not like the hope we have in this world. We are talking, Peter is talking, of a living hope. And what is this hope in? Verses 3 to 5. It is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is in an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade as a result. Our hope is not dead. It is alive. Christ has risen. It is a hope in the living Christ, a hope in the promise we have to spend eternity with our Lord and Saviour, safe from sadness and suffering and pain. That is the living hope that these verses are talking about. Remember, Peter, is he's writing to Christians who feel as though they do not fit in in the world, who feel as though they do not belong, a feeling I'm sure many in this room can relate to. We don't fit in at work. Our family looks down on us for what we believe. We feel like strangers in the world. Well, these verses remind us that our true home, our true destination is heaven, an eternal inheritance, an inheritance that is us in heaven with Christ. And that knowledge, that truth, should affect all that we are and all that we do to make us want to praise the one who gave us this hope, as we talk to others to praise God, 
as we serve after church to praise God, as we clean up at home to praise God, as we drive to work to praise God, because he has given us a secure and eternal hope. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Well, we need hope, and we need hope particularly through trials, which is the second uh, word from the passage that we're going to look at. Firstly, hope. Secondly, trials. And we'll be looking particularly at verses 6 and 7. In this, that is the great inheritance that we've just heard of, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kind of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Uh, We come now to these verses on trials and suffering. And plainly put, the teaching here is that God uses our trials to prove our faith and strengthen our love of him. That's what's being said in these verses. Friends, these are very hard verses. Logan read them in a great way before. It was somber. These are the type of verses, I think, that can put people off Christianity. Or that can be used very insensitively towards people who are going through times of struggle. We can think to ourselves, well, how could a loving God possibly act like this? Or we could say to people who are going through times of trial, well, God's in control, stop worrying, it'll be fine. They are verses we can struggle over and that can offend people by being used in the wrong way and so we need to be careful as we look at them. If we think about the verses on their own for a minute, firstly, Paul is very honest, isn't he? He doesn't for one second try and sugarcoat Christianity. He doesn't pretend that once you become a Christian, all things will go swimmingly for you. No, he admits that all kinds of trials will come, and he expects that. Then he goes on to say that more than just expecting these trials to come, we can also expect that through them, verse 7, the genuineness of our faith will be proven. Again, this is a very hard truth for us to remember as Christians. It's a hard truth particularly to remember during our trials. But it is God's word and it is true. God does use trials to strengthen us and prove our faith. Now Peter is not saying here, find joy in your trials. I'm so happy that I lost my job. That's a great thing. No, that's not what's being said. We will feel pain. We will feel sadness and we will feel, in the words of verse 6, grief. Suffering is awful. It is a result of this fallen world. But our Lord will use those awful circumstances and will grow us. He will grow us through them and we will be stronger as a result. I hope you can agree with me here, but there is a richness in the faith of people who have been through many trials in their Christian walk. Often we can find this in the older members of our church family who we love dearly. But those who have lost and suffered much 
their faiths are so encouraging as a result. They are strengthened as a result. And that is because God has used the difficulties of their lives to firm up their faith, to mature them in their knowledge of him, and to require them to lean more steadily on him in their times of need. That is a great truth. And as verse 6 puts it, it is a reason for rejoicing, both by the person who God has brought through these trials and also by us as we are encouraged by their faith. Uh, And it's there that Peter uses this illustration of gold being refined. Uh, I've never refined gold personally. I don't know many who have, but I can use Google. And what it is, is that when gold is heated up by fire, its impurities are removed so that when you stop, what you are left with is a purer, stronger gold. In the same way, as Christians faced by the fires of trials and suffering, we are refined and strengthened. We learn to rely on God and trust in him more, strengthening our love and reliance on him. Uh, And how encouraging are those four small words in verse 6, for a little while. For a little while. This is Peter, again, reminding us that the struggles of this life will end. Those trials will not last. Like verse 4 has already said, our perfect home is in heaven, where there will be no pain and no suffering. Uh, For those then in the midst of trials, how does this help us? I can say honestly that I can look around this room this morning and know that many of you are going through or have been through recently difficult times. Uh, It may be because of sickness, it may be because of a loss of a loved one. How do these verses help us through the trials that Peter has already said are inevitable? Uh, We've already heard how. We look forward. We have a sure and certain hope, a living hope, an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade. We believe in a God that is in complete control and a God that we can trust to use any situation we are in to strengthen our faith. Because how much sweeter uh, will that moment be when Christ welcomes us into heaven with those words, well done, good and faithful servant, how much sweeter will that moment be when we remember the times that God has brought us through in this life? The refining and the molding and the strengthening that God has done to us through our lives means that we can rely on him more heavily and trust in him more wholeheartedly. Because when you look around the room this morning, you are looking at brothers and sisters in Christ who have suffered. Brothers and sisters, that God has pulled through times of great sadness and we can see your faith. As Peter says, we can see the genuineness of your faith. So, while we are in the midst of trials, remember that we trust in a God who is in complete control, who will use all things for the good of those who love him, until finally we meet him with no pain and with no suffering as we receive the inheritance we have been promised. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Well, we have hope, we have trials, and lastly, quickly through this passage, we see joy, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Uh, Christian joy is the last thing that Peter talks about in these verses. The joy that we can have as Christians. And what joy doesn't mean is the emotion of happiness. It doesn't mean just feeling good for a short while. Christian joy is different to that. I mean, we've, we've just heard that we will face trials for sure through our Christian walk, and we will not be feeling happy through those times. But what we can have as Christians is a contentment, a certainty, and an abiding joy that will last a lifetime even as we grieve and face suffering. Very different to fleeting happiness. And so the question is, what is it that will bring us joy, even in our times of uh, trial and struggle? What is the joy that will last? Again, friends, it is exactly what we've just been hearing of. The hope that we have in the future that hope that can spur us on through times of huge doubt and struggle, the hope that makes waking up in the morning a little bit easier, the hope that means we can be forever thankful for the salvation that we have, the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus on the cross. There is not a single thing that can take that away from us. In the words of Romans, nothing that that can come between us and the love of God. We have not seen Jesus, but we love him. We are still not seeing him, but we will continue to follow him as Christians. That is the definition of faith. And when we have followed him until our last day, we will meet him and our walk will be complete After all of our trials and suffering, our heartbreak and our sadness, Christ will welcome us into heaven, knowing that is Christian joy. An inexpressible, glorious Christian joy, because the goal of our faith is to be made perfect, to have a perfect relationship with our Lord and Creator, and that is coming closer and closer and closer. Knowing that fact, looking to Christ, will help us every step of our lives. Uh, as we finish, there's a, there's a great scene in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis where the Pevensey children, they're fighting in a battle against the enemies of Narnia and everything seems lost up until the moment they hear Aslan's roar. They didn't see him, they heard him and we are told that they were no longer afraid and they had the energy to continue fighting through the night, the end was in sight for them because they knew what was coming. As we look to Christ, as we look to our hope, our living hope, as we look to what we know is to come, the Lord will strengthen us and will give us joy. Uh, Life is very hard. We will all be very well aware of that but we should be certain that the Lord is in control. 
He has given us an ever-living hope in the promise of a home with him. He will continue to be with us even through our most difficult times, times that we will see form us and mould us into the image of his son. And he has given us reason to be joyful as Christians, that we will one day be greeted into our perfect home, our hope fully, finally realised, as we are welcomed into heaven with those great words, well done, good and faithful servant. Therefore, brothers and sisters, uh, praise God in his goodness. Praise God for what he has blessed us with this day and every day of our lives. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.